I'm Larry Morrow, and this is Take Two, the radio program that looks inside a person's adventure, not so much from the outside in, but the inside out. In the next 30 minutes, you will discover the inward joy of their heart that married them to the passion of their life and the affirmation of ideals that directed their success. Over all my years behind a microphone, I've been blessed to sit with, interview, and introduce so many wonderfully gifted men and women, including introducing four presidents of the United States. Some are talented enough to run well-known local, national, and international companies, others from the public service sector, legal profession, and medical field. Some are just wonderfully gifted individuals who have made a difference in the people around them and the communities they serve. They have all gone way beyond their mission statements, so what is it that made them who they are, what their passion is, and then what made it happen? Over the next 30 minutes, I will be talking with a friend from the legal profession, Avery Friedman. Avery is a distinguished visiting professor in constitutional law, civil rights Hall of Fame inductee, and in his 19th year as CNN's legal analyst, He is in front of 3 million viewers every Saturday on CNN discussing the most popular legal issues of the week. Wolf Blitzer, CNN's popular news anchor, said that Avery is an encyclopedia on civil rights. He has been featured on national television shows from Phil Donahue to Bill Riley, Hannity and Combs to Dr. Phil. Avery has appeared by invitation as an expert on civil and constitutional rights by both the U.S. Senate and House subcommittees. He recently completed teaching a Memorial Federal Civil Rights Law course at Cleveland State University's College of Law. The NAACP called Avery a true freedom fighter and an artist in the courtroom. The Wall Street Journal calls Avery a walking reference source on civil rights law. He has been recognized in Time, the New York Times, and USA Today as a nationally distinguished civil rights lawyer and law professor. Suffice it to say, that Avery has been featured on almost every legal roundtable discussing civil rights and legal issues. He has lectured on federal civil rights issues at nearly three dozen major law schools, including Duke, Stanford, my alma mater, UC Berkeley, and others. Avery presently serves as Distinguished Visiting Professor in Constitutional Law at Ursuline College. He's the recipient of the Judge William K. Thomas Award for Ethics and Professionalism the local Bar Association's highest ethics award, by the way. Avery joins Jesse Owens and Gloria Steinem as an inductee to the Ohio Civil Rights Hall of Fame. I was actually with Avery when he received that award. It was a great evening, or great day, rather. And finally, president of the American Inns of Court chapter in Cleveland, he led the organization of judges and lawyers to the organization's highest national honor in a ceremony in which he was honored in the great room of the Supreme Court of the United States, presided over by Associate Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I am honored to be the chairman of the Avery Friedman Scholarship Fund at Ursuline College, which has raised now over $170,000 for scholarships for deserving young women. Welcome, Avery. Well, you know, Larry, it's so nice to be with you. Uh, You know, you mentioned all those schools teaching and all these. Mm -hmm. I mentioned that I had to take the loop bus at uh, Public Square, and I went through the whole litany, and you know what he said to me? What? 25 cents, please. So it really <laughs> if, helped if I can keep put, if, put my work in perspective. If, if I can finally keep every straight, uh, it'll be a good interview. But I, every once in a while, oh, I've always I lose been straight. Him. I've always been straight. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for okay. the invitation. Avery, you are born and raised in this city, aren't you? No, I'm no? not from Cleveland. I love Cleveland, oh, but yeah. um, I'm from a town in um, 
uh, East Washington State called Walla Walla. Uh, I'm not kidding. A town so nice that named it, it sounds twice. Sounds like a rock record. Walla Walla. I know, <laughs> no. Well, it sounds like something. But actually, Larry, you know somebody from Walla Walla. And that would be? Adam West. Oh, yes. Batman. Batman. That's a, that's exactly yeah. right. Well, and we have a lot in common. Um, we, we were both born in, in, in Walla Walla at St. Mary's Hospital, and we both wore capes. You know, you, you're a jokester in many ways as well, and and but you're a but but what's really important to you is civil rights. So my question would be: When a plumber comes to your house, you sit down and discuss civil rights with him, or what? Well, first of all, actually, a plumber did come to the house recently, and he was there actually, Larry, for about twenty minutes. Um, there was no water. And actually, I had to leave. And anyway, he got it done 20 minutes. Beautiful job. Beautiful. And he gives me a bill for like $300 for 20 minutes. And I look at this plumber. And I go, hey, you know, hey, I am a lawyer. And I don't charge, you know, $300 for 20 minutes. Plumber looks at me. He goes, you know, when I was a lawyer, I didn't charge that much either. So you're going to help me put my work in perspective. So anyway. Um, Avery, it is it's no circuit that you were one of Casey Kasem's closest friends and personal attorney. And in a two, 2014, when we lost Casey, you and I, along with the rest of his supporters were absolutely crushed. You actually introduced me to Casey the day of the uh, opening of the rock and roll hall of fame. And as you know, that was a very, very special day in my life, which I'd like to talk about. And you also introduced me to his children, Carrie and Mike in Chicago. Right. What right. a day that was. Well, it really was because that the Chicago event to me, was just one of these spectacular days where finally somebody from Ohio, the best, most talented radio personality, gets nominated to the National Radio Hall of Fame. And here we are in downtown Chicago on a beautiful, beautiful uh, August night. And there's a spotlight and red carpet. And I followed you in, if you remember. And here's this table. We see Paul Harvey and his wife, Angel, and Jack Brickhouse, the voice of the Chicago Cubs, Ernie Harwell, the voice of the Tigers, and Jack Buck, the voice of St. Louis. And there you were in the midst of all of them. What an, ex an extraordinary evening that was. What was really interesting about that, that, that evening, not only all that you just talked about being amongst all those people, <clears throat> there was a, a, a guy sitting next to me, you'll remember, on my left-hand side. And I said, um, what are you doing here? Because his name was not familiar right, to me. Right. I said, and what are you doing? He said, well, I'm going to introduce uh, and salute. Um, well, Robert Smith. Robert Smith. Right. Nobody who knew all, who that was. Yeah. As we all know, is Wolfman Jack. It was Wolfman Jack. He was and, accepting it posthumously. Yes. But he said, Robert Smith, we're going, who the heck is that? And we're at the National Radio Hall of Fame, really? And so I said, well, so I said, well, how do you get the, um, or what is the relationship between you and him? And he said, well, Larry he said, uh, I wrote some songs and he played some songs that I wrote on the radio. And I said, well, you know, I play a lot of songs on the radio, but I'd know any of them. He said, yeah, I wrote poor side of town. And, and I said, well, Johnny Rivers wrote those. He said, I'm Johnny Rivers. I literally <laughs> slapped him on the, on the, uh, on the shoulder. And I said, wait a minute, you're Johnny Rivers. <laughs> Here's this little guy, couldn't have been more than five foot four, 
really interesting guy. And, and, and he was, yeah. And he was, and, and, and he's still playing by the way, still performing. Yes. But there was, for me watching this, there was Johnny rivers there for Wolfman Jack yes. next to him was you next to you was Casey Kasem yeah. and his daughter, Carrie. So this table was just jam packed. And I'm looking around thinking if there is a radio heaven, <laughs> It would be that table there in downtown Chicago that night. Well, it was it was a, it was a wonderful time, a time that we'll never forget. Now, Avery, um, you are not prone to introspection at all, but let's talk about that relationship with Casey. How did that begin? Um, by mistake, um, there had been a story in the Sunday New York Times about some good work that we did on behalf of some very vulnerable people, and I was asked by the reporter, "Well." you know, this is pretty pie in the sky stuff. And I said, well, like that, like that disc jockey said, you know, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. Well, I'm not keeping my feet on the ground all that well. <laughs> well, Casey saw that article and he called the office, introduced himself, flew me out to uh, Southern California. That was in 1984 during the Los Angeles Olympics. And from that time on, Larry, it was an extraordinary relationship. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget the opening of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, and think about that. Here we are, maybe one of the greatest, if not the greatest day that Cleveland ever saw. The world came to Cleveland that day. And Casey wanted to know, who's my guy in Cleveland? What station? And I go, you know what? And at the time, Larry, we didn't really know didn't, each other. We had not met. Back in the in the mid-1990s. Mm -hmm. And I said, everybody loves this guy. There is no more beloved radio personality than Larry Morrow. So Casey said, then I want to go up there that morning. And I will tell you something. When I walked in the door at the studio there, you were with Casey Kasem, and it was electrified. And if you remember this, Larry, you got a call from the front saying there's somebody on the line that wanted to talk to you. Remember who that was? Oh yes, it was Al Roker. And what did he remember? What he said? Yeah, I, I do. And it, it was uh, it, it, it was so interesting to me because I had when when Al lived and worked in Cleveland at WERE, and I was working at WERE at the time. Uh, Al and I had become pals. So now he's a big star, but he's in town to to open up the Cleveland Indian Stadium that day and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And and it was a very cold day, and I'll never forget. All of a sudden, the producer said, by the way, there's a guy on the phone who wants to talk to you. And I said, what's his name? He said, Al Roker. I said, come on. <laughs> Al gets on the phone. He said, Larry, I've been sitting here listening to an interview with you and Casey Kasem. And he said, two legends on the air at the same time. Well, what, that, a, what a wonderful and it, and thing to it, say. What, to number say. one, it was wonderful that Al Roker calls in to the show. But number two, watching you and Casey Kasem together. You know, this was a man that was in a thousand markets worldwide. There was nowhere you could go. And, you know, the beauty of it is that we still hear his voice. You had mentioned the day we lost him. That was Father's Day, if you yes, remember, it was. Yes, it was. June 15th. And I had been working in Washington and got a call on Friday, which would have, would have been the 13th. And Casey was on his deathbed, surrounded by his family. And they go, Avery... Uh, Carrie was saying, uh, Casey can't talk, but he can hear. And so they put the phone on speaker and I told Casey and the family reminded them of some of the funny things that have happened. And everybody is laughing. And Carrie said, Casey can hear you. And he has a smile on his face. That was Friday afternoon. And by Sunday he was gone. Yeah. 
But you know, the, the glorious thing is even today, because of, of the, a, a number of different uh, stations and a network, you still hear Casey on the air on Saturdays and Sundays, just like from the old days in the 70s and 80s and 90s and 2000s. So you know what? His spirit is alive with us. Uh, there will never be another radio personality like Casey Kasem, mm-hmm. and he will forever be, you know, telling everyone, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. He just had one of those voices. And isn't it interesting that the two people we knew well and know well, it was uh, Casey Kasem and the other one that sat next to us in Chicago. Well, that was Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey. They both were told at the beginning of their careers, don't even think about getting into radio because you won't make it. You have terrible voices. Hey, and wait the, a minute. That, that's what happened to you. That was happening. Right? <laughs> yes. I was told the very same thing. Yes. See, you got to count on program directors at radio stations because they rarely know what they're doing. Oh, <laughs> present company accepted, of course. <laughs> Avery, this September will be the uh, 19th anniversary of one of the saddest days in our American history, which was a series of coordinated attacks by the Islamic terrorist Al-Qaeda against our beloved country, resulting in nearly 3,000 victim fatalities. It was one of those days that we can all remember exactly where we were because we remember hearing the news, running to our televisions. It was also an incredible day in the life of the Avery Friedman family. Take us back. That was a dreadful day for you and your family. My daughter um, was eight months pregnant, and she was a public defender in Manhattan. And as a result of the destruction caused um, in New York City that day, concrete started falling, and that triggered shock um, because her office was very near World Trade Centers, and that triggered labor. Uh, NYPD found her on the side of the road and caravaned her to the hospital. And at 447 in lower Manhattan, uh, a little baby girl was born. <laughs> and so they are both fine. And Callie, my granddaughter, uh, this past September, celebrated her 18th birthday. What so a- hard to believe that all this time has passed. And what that must have done to your family at that time, thinking... You know, our well, daughter is running around New York, and no one knew, no one knew what was coming next. And we, we didn't know. We're, we are a very fortunate, blessed family. But you know what? When I came back to Cleveland from Manhattan, there was a 16-year-old boy in the office who had just been expelled from a public high school here in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he put up a patriotic poster on his high school locker. And the adults, the superintendent, principal, thought, well— we should expel him for that. And the family was waiting in the front and said, Mr. Friedman, would you take our case? And there was no precedent, Larry, because while profane speech and ugly speech is protected, I couldn't find a case that protected patriotic speech. Hmm. Well, I took that case, Larry, and we went into the United States District Court, our highest trial court in America. And I argued to my federal judge, you know, it's true. There is no case that says that patriotic speech is no less protected than profane speech. Hmm. Well, the judge thought about it because we argued under the First Amendment. And the court ruled not only were his rights violated and they had to put him back in school, but you know what? The federal judge 
ordered the superintendent and the principal to go back to school to learn about the American Constitution. I remember that story well because uh, I saw the story with you and that young boy on the Bill Riley show. Yep. Bill O'Reilly. Yep. Yep. And, and also, we had a very interesting experience uh, at an event sponsored by this station mm-hmm. when I had an opportunity to debate Hugh Hewitt. Yes. And goodness gracious, did I ever feel like I was walking into foreign territory. But you know <laughs> what? Um, when they started clapping for me, Bill said, hey, hey, he's the enemy. You're not supposed to be, you're not supposed <laughs> to be clapping for him. But it was a great moment, and the two yeah. of us embraced at the end of the debate. And you know what? It was really reflective of what America really should be. Instead of everybody being angry at each other, let's, we may not agree on everything, but let's get up and talk about it. And, and Hugh and I, by the way, have remained friends, um, and we have stayed in touch. And to me, um, the way we have disagreed has never been disagreeable, Larry, mm-hmm. and we've remained friends. And to me, that was the essence of civility and the sort of behavior that you want to see in all Americans. How does a, how does a young boy like you, when you're just a, a young kid, your dad, your dad was a very respected lawyer as well. And he also played football for the Detroit Lions. Yep. Why civil rights for you? Well, I um I was asked by a classmate um to go on a march, and uh, I, I was joined by a, a minister named A. D. Williams King, and he said, "I want to introduce you to my older brother, Michael Michael King." Well, that that is actually his legal name, but he changed his name to Martin. So I met Martin Luther King Jr. and we went on a march together. Now, I'd like to tell you I remembered all the important things he had to say, but I was a freshman in college and I really didn't. I wanted to go because actually the march was supposed to be headed up by Mary Travers. Now, do you remember that name? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, who, do, who, who would not, any in music, not remember Mary Travers, well, right? Peter, Paul, and Mary. Peter, Paul, and Mary. Um, so I went actually to go see her. Um And it wasn't until we lost Dr. King on the 4th of April, 1968, that it really dawned on me that maybe a greater, higher responsibility will be to serve. And that's what the practice has been. Mm -hmm. It's been public interest in human rights and civil rights, the essence of what I believe our Constitution is about. And I think most Americans believe that. Uh, and it has never been dull, Larry, um, fighting, you know, people that want to take away your rights, whether it's because of where people are from or what color they are or how they practice their faith. There are times in your life where you have to stand up and fight back. And in America, Larry, Mm -hmm. I believe, and I see it happening every day that the constitution means what it says. It is a sacrosanct doctrine that uh, is unlike any in the world. And, and the founders meant business. And the idea that we get to use it in the 21st century, when Americans get pushed around, there's a way to stand up and fight back, and I get to be part of that battle. You know, speaking of that, and considering the plight of the less fortunate, which you just touched on, I could give examples of those whom you have represented, but one case for sure where you had called me in about an elderly man, Vietnam vet, as a matter of fact. He was poor. He was down and out. 
and you told me the story, and you took him under your wing and devoted countless hours helping him and others like him, but you did it at no cost. Why? Well, m- much of the practice, about 40% of what I do, is pro bono. And my view, I never got to serve. You served in the United States Marine Corps, Larry. I never served. Mm-hmm. So my responsibility is to care for those who have served. And yeah, put in a lot of time, and yeah, didn't charge. But you know what? That veteran, that Vietnam vet, is in a home now, and we kept him in that home. And I've urged my colleagues in the profession to continue to devote themselves to the civil aspect of helping people who have helped us help freedom ring. And I, I believe that to this day. Uh, every Saturday, I get a chance to watch you on CNN. You know, you got to get out of the house, man. <laughs> that, you know, seriously. Well, it's, it's been 18 years. I'll never forget. <laughs> I'll never forget, actually, you know, going back 18 years, like we just talked about your granddaughter. Uh, it was 18 years ago. Well, actually, you're in your 19th year yep. that all of a sudden you're on CNN, you know, which is a network. How does that happen? Uh, bad that- judgment on the part of the network. <laughs> uh, no, I, you know what? Um, I, I actually started out uh, at Fox um, regularly with Sean Hannity and Bill O'Reilly and, uh, CNN said, Avery, we think you may be at the wrong place and whether or not they were right. I left and I started hanging at CNN and yes, it's been 19 years and people like Wolf Blitzer and others who I've respected have been very, very supportive. And the idea that we have this kind of viewership and we're on every week for 19 years, give or take, um, is quite an experience, and, and I am deeply grateful. Well, the host of that show is Federica. Frederica Whitfield yeah. is so talented. Mm-hmm. There, like many of the other anchors, uh, her heart is as big as her talent, and that makes a lot of difference. That's why, for for example, this past weekend, I got a letter from a president of a of a major university. Um, a, a member, uh, a physician from the Academy of Pediatrics, uh, a Canadian, a, you know, some guy emailed from Puerto Rico. So it's, it's not just coast to coast. It's much beyond that. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The fact that we hear and see people listening and reacting means the world to me. Don't you have to just pinch yourself every once in a while to know that here you are on this, one of the largest networks in the world, and you have 3 million viewers on Saturday, which I believe may, may be the largest audience that they have during the entire week. Don't you pinch yourself when you, when you hear things like that? Well, you know what? Honestly, um, I spend more time grinding out preparation to make sure my anchor and my producers, my managing editor, the directors, everybody knows that it's showtime. And we want to deliver a first-class product right down the line. No spin on the left, no spin on the right. And I know I hear that out there, but as far as I'm concerned on the legal show, we're right down the middle. So Americans can make their decision about how to decide what's going on with Harvey Weinstein or what went on with a particular issue going on that people are reading about. So we cut through what I think is the nonsense, zero in, zero in on the legal issues and let the viewers make the decision. Avery, we only have a few minutes left, but I didn't, I couldn't go through the entire show without touching on of the Avery Friedman Scholarship Fund. Now, I did mention at the beginning of the show that that I am the chairman of the Avery Friedman Scholarship Fund. Thank you for that, by the way. How did that happen? 
Um, again, I think by mistake, uh, the college, the college decided they wanted to support an effort to advance the rights of women. And they came to me because I'm on the faculty and lo and behold, because of your hard work and others and some wonderful people, um, there are, there's over $175,000. It is endowed. So if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, Larry, that, that fund goes on. We'll underwrite those young women at the college. It has been it has been a great experience for me to be part of that, and I'm I'm thrilled that we have now raised 170 thousand, and with uh, 250 thousand somewhere in the future. Oh yeah, we'll you know, we'll, so, we'll nail we'll nail the big number. So Come young on, ladies right around can, the corner. So young ladies can continue to get a scholarship to go to a fine university like that. Yep. Well, Avery, it has been wonderful. I can't remember. I can't think of a time when our 30 minutes has gone by that fast, but <laughs> but it has. <laughs> Well, then we'll have to revisit, that's all. <laughs> Avery, thank you for coming by. It's wonderful to be with Continued you, Continued great success, my friend. Thank you. You too. Tell a friend about our new radio program, Larry Morrow's Take Two, heard Saturday morning at 9.30 on 1220 The Word and Sunday afternoon at 2 on 1420 The Answer. We are always looking for new stories that impact our lives in a positive way. If you have someone you would like us to interview, let me know via email at larry at larrymorrow.com. By the way, if you enjoy Larry Morrow, take two. Check out Larry from the Heart, the radio series airing on 1220 The Word and 1420 The Answer. 90-second stories packed with smiles, hope, joy, and inspiration designed to make you stop and think about life. Let me know you're listening and tell a friend about the new radio program, won't you? And until next time, do all the good you can to everyone you can, every time you can.